key reminder for us all and that is that Friday is Christmas Eve and we will be having a Christmas Eve candlelight service at 530 uh, just some time of singing and hearing from the word and so uh, typically we're start at 530 done before 630 so we look forward to seeing uh, you here so Steve come on up all right, I'm glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. If you happen to be here as a guest, if you got a bulletin, uh, there is a little extra flap in that, on that bulletin. Uh, if you would fill that out and put it in the offering box, that's, we're not going to take up an offering. Our offering box is out on the welcome table. We'd sure appreciate you doing that for us this morning. I have uh, one announcement that I would like to make, and that is with regard to one of our church family. Uh, Karen McFadden had tests done this week. She has found out that uh, she's going to be having some surgery. Uh, the cancer was uh, in her hip and in her uh, inner thigh, and so they're going to be able to do surgery on the 18th of January, and she is supposedly, they're saying that she will not have any uh, radiation or chemotherapy as after that. Uh, that's the, the good news, at least it seems like good news. And then she has a spot in her lung that they're going to uh, address later, but supposedly or they're saying that they don't think there's going to be any problem. But, but we don't know, so keep praying for her if you would, please. Thanks. I'd ask you to pray with me if you would. Father, uh, we just thank you for the chance we have to come, and I know the uh, the showcase of uh, our church family and presenting uh, the message of Christmas is coming, and I pray that you would help us prepare our hearts as we look at your word to contemplate things that are going to be actually highlighted in this, uh, this program. And so I pray for your spirit to work in each of our hearts to hear what you have for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I remember as a, as a boy... Uh, anticipating the arrival of my maternal grandparents, that's my mom's folks, because they came every Christmas Eve Eve to watch us open our gifts, all right? But their presence with us, and that event was only one in a series of events that our family used to celebrate Christmas. There were a lot of other Christmas activities that way. And in the same way, or in a similar way, not exactly the same way, the, the celebration of Jesus' birth is just one event in a series of events that the, tells the entire story of God's plan to restore mankind to himself. And so throughout this Bible story, the entire Bible, there is this one dominant thread that's woven throughout. That thread is... The king is coming. The king is coming. And this morning, what we're going to be looking at, not just through this message, but through the program, is tracing these four aspects of the king's coming through the entire Bible story that will help us understand and then respond to the king's coming to the king's coming. And so I'm just going to highlight these four aspects. And the first one is that the prediction, the prediction of our coming king provides hope. And this is the 
prophecies of the Old Testament and so forth. There are three facts, I think, that help explain why the promise of a coming king would bring hope to anybody who was, who was listening. First of all, man's condition as created in the image of God in the Garden of Eden, God said in Genesis 1.31, after He'd created everything, it was very good. And when God said it's very good, He wasn't just you know, looking back, wasn't just, He was, but He wasn't just looking back at His creation saying, wow, pretty good stuff. I did, I did good, you know. It's like, it's not, it wasn't just like me looking at my, my, the best man in our wedding, uh, Jay, who is a, an accomplished artist, looking at one of his pieces and going, that's good stuff. No, it was more than that. What God was doing was he was pronouncing a moral statement that mankind was morally good. There was no wickedness in mankind. But the problem was that man's condition is the next phase which changed things, okay? And the man's condition changed in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve decided that we're going to disobey God and listen to Satan. And so they brought corruption into the human race, right? This corruption, it uh, it's permeates everybody, you know? The people are greedy. People are selfish. People are proud. People lie and they steal and they cheat. So all these things are, are part of the, the corruption. And the corruption, the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, that your sin creates a separation between you and your God. And because of that separation, we deserve God's judgment and God's punishment. And so you have the initial condition of man was good, but then the corruption of man made, us, made it bad, and then we see that God provided a way for salvation because on God's heart is that nobody, it's not His desire that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. And so God has His plan. To, he wants everybody to be you know, restored into right relationship with Himself. That's his heart. So that's where hope comes in. Because hope, the hope of a promised king, of a coming king, is predicated upon the man's awareness of our own need for deliverance from the enemy's influence, which would result in God's vengeance on us. So if I don't really see a need to be delivered from the vengeance of God, then there would be no reason to hope in a coming deliverer from that vengeance. I watched a documentary recently on uh, a man who was in World War II, and they, uh, he was shot down over Belgium, and the, the people of Belgium were anticipating, they were longing for the Americans, for the Allies to deliver them from the enemy who was going to bring vengeance upon them, uh, the, the Third Reich and the Nazi Germany. So this is the same way. God's plan to liberate humans from the clutches of the enemy was for a righteous branch. Jeremiah talks about a righteous branch. A righteous branch to come. Uh, a descendant of David who was endowed with salvation, according to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, who was a coming king who would reign over his people and restore them into right relationship with, with himself. And wise people in the Old Testament, they were longing for this king. They, they said, yeah, we want this king to come because uh, they anticipated deliverance, but they anticipated deliverance from their physical problems, right? I remember uh, as a, a high school student, 
working for a farmer. And one summer day in the end of August, I was taken out and dropped off in the middle of nowhere between two cornfields that were about 10 feet high with no breeze and it was about 85, 90 degrees outside. And I was told, you just work repairing this fence and somebody will come back and pick you up later. I spent the entire time anticipating my deliverer. Uh, you know, anticipating someone to deliver me. And in the same way, the Old Testament, they anticipated, they anticipated deliver, but they anticipated somebody who would deliver them from physical pain, not spiritual pain. So the, the, the promise of the king provided hope, but the presence of the king our coming king offers help. And that's where the birth of Jesus comes in. The baby who was born uh, in Bethlehem that we celebrate his birth was declared to be and acknowledged as the king of the Jews. That's the Magi came and they said, where is he who was born king of the Jews? And so he was declared to be the king of the Jews. But how was he the king? How was he this promised one from the Old Testament? Well, there are several indications. First of all, he fulfilled the promises that were said about this Old Testament king, they came true in the person of Jesus. So the, his fulfillment was the proof or proved that he was the king. Paul said in Galatians 4.4 that in the fullness of time God sent forth his son, born of a woman, whom we know to be Mary, and this uh, a virgin, which is what Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 said, she would be a virgin and give birth to a son, which was confirmed in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 and following, and so he came as a baby born in Bethlehem, which was said to be the place of the Messiah's birth in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and so he was a descendant of David, which is Matthew chapter 1, which was told to us back in Isaiah chapter 9 and Isaiah chapter 11, so all these things came into place in the person of Jesus, so he's the fulfillment of it, but secondly, we see that his person gives indication that he's the king, because he was born of a woman, so he was human, but he was also the Son of God, so that he was divine. And Isaiah 7.14 says his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so he fulfilled that. And then his purpose was as the Savior. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says he'll be endowed with salvation. That's why he came, to save his people from his sins, which was the quote from Luke chapter 2, verse 11 problem was the baby in the manger was fine you know that's not a problem except for Herod had a problem with him but most everybody else didn't have a problem with him until he got older and grew up and this babe in the manger became opposed and rejected as the king earlier this fall ISU football coach Matt Campbell was kind of uh, raked over the coals because he never told his team that our goal is to win a Big 12 championship. Matt Campbell says, no, we never made that our express goal. Our goal was to make these guys become the best version of themselves. Well, when God sent his son, he confronted human wickedness, evil. And that's why he says, Jesus said in John, John chapter 7, verse 7, that they opposed me, they hated me because I told them about their sin. Jesus' goal wasn't to make us physically better his goal was to us to become the best version of ourselves and for us to have the best version of ourselves means that we understand that we are wicked deserve his judgment but that if we put our trust or faith in this one who died on the cross to pay our debt then we would be forgiven 
we would be given new life and we would be restored into right relationship with himself. That's the best version that Jesus painted for us. And so he said in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And whoever uh, dies, I'm sorry, I've got to start over. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So there's this Jesus who was predicted, and the prediction provides hope. But then there was the presence of Jesus, and the presence of Jesus provides help. But it's not physical help, it's spiritual help, spiritual reconciliation. That was his help. But it led to the third phase, aspect, which was the punishment of our coming King, which brings healing. He was predicted, that gave hope. He was present, that gave help. But the help doesn't help us unless we embrace it. And that comes with the punishment. And there's two aspects of his punishment we need to consider. First, the reason for his punishment. I don't know if you ever thought about this much, but Jesus was punished on purpose. It was God's plan. You're going to hear a little bit about Philippians chapter 2. He made himself, he humbled himself, and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Why? Because his death on the cross would provide deliverance, a rescue for us, and then it would lead to him being recognized as the king forever. He wasn't recognized until he was raised. And then there's the result of the punishment. And the result of the punishment was that Jesus was born to die. He was born to die for people who deserve to die, to die in their place. Isaiah chapter 53 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray, and each one has turned to his own way, but he has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. God caused our sins to fall upon Jesus so that when Jesus died, he paid not for his own sin as the perfect Son of God, but he paid for our sins as fallen human beings. So that as undeserving people, as we sang this morning in the, in the first service, when I think that God, his Son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died. He bled and died for people who are undeserving. A holy God must punish our rebellion. And his plan for our salvation was send his son to be judged in our place. A judge who has their child before them guilty of speeding will pronounce justice that that child deserves to pay a fine of x number of dollars but now imagine the judge getting up off of the bench and walking down taking off the robe and getting the checkbook out and writing the check for their child's offense when God sent his son Jesus he paid the price for our offense so that we could live he that is God made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in him that's the message of Christmas that's the message of the Bible and it's a gift for by grace you have been saved through faith and not not of yourselves it's a gift of God not as a result of works so no one could boast my question is have you received the gift Oh, you're going to get a lot of gifts. You're going to wake up and go, oh, I got to get it. Look at all the packages under the tree. Yeah, 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 yeah. All good stuff. But there's no better gift to receive 
than to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because that's why we celebrate Christmas and that's the gift of Christmas. He was punished to bring healing. And I ask you, have you received it if you haven't? I invite you to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And there's one final phase of the Bible, which is the preeminence of Christ, which leads to our humility, His return, His reign and His return. And there's three reasons, uh, many reasons, but three I'm going to talk about, for worshiping and acknowledging as preeminent this king who was worthy. First of all, the king's character. He's holy, holy, holy. Isaiah said it. In Isaiah 6, John says it in John chapter 4. He's pure. The magi came, the wise men, they came and worshiped Jesus. The ruling and reigning king is no less worthy of our worship than the baby was. It's still the same king. And secondly, because of his conduct. He created us. In Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, we're his creation. You know, you have a dog, dog loves you and likes you and cares about you because it knows you're the master. God is our master and we should worship him as our master. But also because not, his, not only his creation but his crucifixion, he, was, he, he bled and died for our sins as Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. You're going to hear that verse a little later too. He died for us so that people, undeserving people, and that's the stress, that's the good news of Christmas is that undeserving people can have new life in Him. And He died for people, undeserving people of every tribe and tongue and people and nation to be brought into His family to restore so that the goodness of the garden prior to the fall would be restored. You see how the Bible takes us full circle? Perfection, fall, messed up, salvation, restoration, and we're back there where we started. See, Jesus' first coming uh, the, the risen and reigning king is a returning king. He's coming again. That's the message of Revelation. The first, and it's the Bible. And Jesus' first coming was to save his people from their sins. Are you one of them? And if you aren't, turn and trust. And if you are, then rejoice and worship him in humility for who he is. The second coming is going to set things right. The just will be rewarded and the Unjust will be judged. This is the, pray, this is the message of Christmas. And so as the, this group before you, not all of us, but the group that comes up after me, as they trace the, coming, the king's coming thread throughout the scripture, through all that's happening up here, my prayer and our prayer is that we will understand, we'll understand why his promised coming would bring hope. That we will realize how his first coming gives us help that will embrace the healing from his first coming and his crucifixion and that we will respond appropriately with worship and praise that he's coming again. Thank you. In the beginning, God, the Lord God, planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Satan, you are in Eden, the garden of God, planting doubt that God was wise and good, that God's words are true, but asking the woman, indeed, has God said? Because you have done this, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, 
and you shall bruise him on the heel. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the rule of staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. He will reign and act as king and act wisely, and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name, by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. He will speak peace to nations, and his dominion will be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay.
How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of joy above your fellows. He is a living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, he, and shall call his name Emmanuel. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end on earth of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, for this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Behold my servant who I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. May he also rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Let the nomads of the desert bow before him and his enemies like the dust, and let all kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, and he will be the source of peace. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob, a scepter shall rise from Israel. Right. 
When the set time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. The angel Gabriel was sent from the God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. The angel said to Joseph, Mary will bear a son, and you shall name you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord throughout through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with the child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for her in the inn. Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. An angel appeared to the shepherds in a field, saying, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Yeah. 
Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Rise, take the child and, and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Herod became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under. Where is he for whom we wait 400 years? It seems he's late. But the Magi from afar, Herod's anger and that star, angels came and spoke, we hear. Could it be that Christ is near? Now it's quiet, <clears throat> now it's quiet once again, while we wait and wonder when. Who is he, just 12 years old, in the temple, humble, bold? All who hear him are impressed. And his parents, though distressed, clearly heard what Jesus said. In my father's house, I stayed. And he quietly returned, but his mother's heart still burned. Who is that by Jordan's side? Lamb of God, the witness cried. Who is he that splits the crowd between the humble and the proud? Now he says, my father's God. And the leaders all give nod as he hangs upon a cross. Could it be that all is lost? Who is he who left his grave and sent disciples to obey? Who is he that disappears? Angels say, stop standing here, for he'll come just as he went. And now the gospel, heaven sent, spreads from there around the globe. Jesus saves, rejoice, and hope. When he comes, know who is he will be heard from you and me, but a loud, compelling call, Lord of lords and King of all, humbled once, Exalted now, let us kneel, many crowns upon his brow, let us kneel and loudly sing, Jesus, Savior, Glorious King. Jesus opened the book and read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised.
soldiers of the governor took Jesus. They stripped him and put him on a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. After they had mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him. When they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. And sit down, they began to keep watch over him there. And began, and above his head, they put up a charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the God the Father. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, but he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried.
On the first day of the week, behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone. Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news. scriptures. God promised this good news a long ago through his prophets in the holy scriptures. The good news is about his son in earthly life. He was born into King David's family line and he was shown to be son of God when he raised from the dead by the power of the spirit, Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord.
For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. We have, an, we have, we having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for the time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. Bethlehem is still and silent, all her people are asleep. They do not expect the glory that is coming to their streets. Suddenly the sky split open, suddenly a heavenly throne to proclaim the birth of Jesus, glorify him in song. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming. I have heard the heavenly chorus, and soon his face I'll see. Word. 
In front of the throne was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the four living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for men, for God, men from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive praise, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. We're going to invite you to sing together on this next song, a familiar tune with some words that maybe are just a little different, so pay attention to the screen.
white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. He is clothed with a white robe in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The Word of God. On his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Grace of God, Lord Jesus, be with all. Amen.